They chased their answers, travelers through time and space, stopping anywhere long enough to learn, but briefly enough to escape involvement. The light in the distance grows brighter, even as the surroundings grow ever more bizarre. Questions grow darker, answers more involved, until reality itself becomes an academic concept, fit only to be dissected over a pleasant cup of tea. Chaos Magic. I'm Kaya Dragon, and I'm happy to be your host for the evening. This is episode one, and basically it's a coverage of what is Chaos Magic. What is this Chaos Mage? Dude, Chaos Magic? Is that like fractals or something? Can't say I approve of this Chaos Magic. Sounds quite non-traditional. But before we get into all of that, one of the really wonderful things about podcasting that I've discovered is it has introduced me to some absolutely fantastic pagan music and occult music from some bands I had never had contact with in any other way. For instance, S.J. Tucker. Never in my life had I heard of S.J. Tucker before um, I started listening to uh, a whole host of some really high-quality pagan podcasts out there. There'll be a list in the show notes of uh, just a few of what I consider to be some of the best. I'll be adding to that list in future shows. There's some really fantastic things happening out there in the pagan pod sphere, though. It's truly impressive. Now, I have the rare opportunity of bringing something back. Uh, It's an album um, by a group called Tree of Shadows, and the name of the album is Pause. Now, this album is kind of hard to get a hold of. It's got a story behind it, which I'll probably tell you a little bit about someday. Uh, It is available at CD Baby. If you you go there right now and do a search for Tree of Shadows, um, the, the album will come up. It's got a really interesting review from a uh, music uh, reviewer who saw them at the Michigan Renaissance Festival performing live. But uh, this is um, a studio album that they put together. It was their first album. There was work on a second album, unfortunately. uh, Some really incredibly fine material was lost in a digital tape accident. And it it, it makes me weep, because I got to sit there actually and, and... hang out and listen to them record the second album that they were working on. And the loss of that is just eh, too too great to bear. But they did leave behind some really fantastic, fantastic music. And I'm going to play some of it for you because I do have permission to play this music. Um, anything you hear on Pagan Chaos Magic, the podcast, is going to... The artists have granted their permission. I'm I'm not going to play anything that I don't have permission to play. (laughs) I don't have nearly enough money for the amount of lawyers that that would take. Instead, I'd rather bring you what I can, and some of what I can bring you is really fantastic stuff. So, without further ado, 
Uh, let me get into the first musical interlude. Uh, as I said, it's Tree of Shadows. And it's track number two on their album, and it's called Mystery. Mystery. 
Well, welcome back to Pig and Chaos Magic, where magic meets practical application. At least, I like to think so. Well, since this is the first episode, let's go over just a few things I'd like to communicate about this podcast and why I'm doing it. Two reasons, really. Uh, the major was I, I found little information on chaos magic in, in pagan and occult literature. Um, granted, there are some really fantastic books out there. Can't recommend enough certain books by uh, Peter Carroll, Phil Hine. Uh, author I'm really enjoying right now is Taylor Elwood. I haven't finished his Space Time Magic, but um, it's a thoroughly enjoyable read so far. Those three authors, I could say, are a nice grounding in what chaos magic is. And, and there is a book called Postmodern Magic. As to who wrote that escapes me at the moment. But uh, other than, than some books and, and a few websites, I was absolutely stunned as I learned about chaos magic that I just wasn't hearing more about it. There was a limit to how far you could learn, and other than joining one of the few very loosely organized orders around the world, which, you know, I'm not a big joiner, I am a solitaire, you couldn't really get that much information. There was once upon a time a wonderful website called chaosmagic.com. I truly miss that site. Uh, Unfortunately, Freighter Dead Jellyfish, I believe, was the webmaster. He got buried in work. Um, kind of had to let the site slip. I, I understand hosting bills. I, I truly do. Um, and after a while, he probably just had better things to spend money on. Unfortunately, it got snatched up by a domain broker. And if you go to chaosmagic.com now, you're going to see some advertisements that you know kind of make me ill. I'm all for a capitalist endeavor, but uh, the memory of that was there were some fine discussions there. And when that went away, when that went away, there there's chaosmatrix.org, I believe, is one of the other websites which is still out there. But there was a lively vitality to the forums at chaosmagic.com. So having lost that, I want to obviously I'm, I'm not running a forums website. I'm running a podcast, but I want to bring a little bit of that fierce conversation that was going on about chaos magic. It was a whole new territory for us. You know, of course, some of us had, had come to it later than others. Peter J. Carroll's been writing about this, I believe, since the 80s. So, trying to give my little contribution. It appeals to the Leo side of me. Make a little mark, you know. And the second reason is this is this is a slice of time for my son. Um, I'm a father who will breach 40 times around the sun this coming August. And I have a son who's just over one year old. Um, I lost my father young when I was 28. And he had me younger than I had my son. Um... On the off chance that chaos moves and I pass from this mortal coil earlier than I really want to, I'm trying to leave behind an audio record for him and any future siblings that he has. Your old man's 39, and I just want you to know what I'm thinking about, son. 
and why I'm thinking about it. So when I when I discuss this, there is times there's going to be some really deep emotion in my voice. I'm I'm not going to be looking to deliver this in any kind of a extremely objective way. Uh, I'm going to express opinion here and how I feel because I want you to understand how I feel about what I'm saying as much as I want you to understand what I'm saying. So please just remember I'm playing to a dual audience here. Um, hopefully all of the wonderful podcast downloaders out there who have downloaded and hopefully are going to enjoy the series. And I'm also speaking to the audience of the future, to my son. If I pass early from this coil, somebody can hand him a CD and say, here's a peek into the mind of your old man. Because I tell you what, when my father passed at 28, and now I'm 39, I really wish I had a CD of recordings my old man had left for me. Well, moving forward... Uh, I don't mean to be abrasive. Uh, I'll never mean to offend anyone. But I do have a few opinions that might offend. And and if you want to fire away, flame me, tell me I'm an idiot, tell me I'm destined for whatever, I I don't mind. You're welcome to fire away with emails at kayadragon at gmail.com. That's K-I-A-D-R-A-G-O-N at gmail.com. And any comments, really, I would appreciate it. Nobody's really making any money off these podcasts, as far as I know. Uh, At least not this variety of podcasts. So I'm doing it to leave my little mark for time and my son. And for the email, uh, interaction with other pagans, chaos mages, druids, anyone on an alternative path. Eh, it's what I live for. Solitaire can be lonely. You know, even solitaires need to mix it up and talk to each other every once in a while. So please do send those emails. Feel free to call me, you know, genius or fool. Either one. I don't mind. Uh, Life is dualistic. Some will love me, some will hate me. It's just something I learned to accept a long time ago. Since you don't know much about me, let me tell you a little bit about myself. And I love talking about myself, so I'm just going to fire away. Uh, I am an engineer. Engineer is just a nice little moniker title. Uh, It means you're not really white collar, but you're not really blue collar, but we're going to want to pay you like you're blue collar. Always had a hard time describing what I do for a living. You could call me an electrical engineer slash computer programmer. Uh, That's as far as I'm going to go into it because work is something I like to leave far behind when I'm talking about magic. I am an unworking, excuse me, not unworking, unwilling workaholic. Got to work a lot of hours. Uh, Right now, my industry uh, is uh, a lot of 10 and 12 hour days. Uh, There's some long hard times in the industry that I'm in, has been since 2001. So I take the long hours when I can get them. And I have to tell you that I was particularly inspired by another podcast. Uh, There's another guy who works 10 to 12 hours a day and doesn't have a whole lot of time to except come home to his family and still manages to work in every couple of weeks with his wife. Uh, A really fantastic podcast called Pagan Parents on the Edge. 
not that her pagan parents on the edge and one are about to hop off the bridge because the kids are driving them crazy. <laughs> it's pagan parents on the edge of the circle because they, uh, I believe, as I recall, they they basically felt that there wasn't a lot of uh, uh, pagan resources for pagan families, and I have to agree as as a father, new father. I'm finding that, yet, yeah, you know, there's just not a lot of friendly, family-friendly covens or organizations. Um, but they do a wonderful job of uh, discussing their family, uh, how they deal with life's issues, and some really good metaphysical conversation. I thoroughly enjoy the chemistry between those two. And they have a really nice and cute sign-off. It reminds me uh, very much of me and my wife. I'll have, uh, of course, links to them in the show notes. Uh, you can go to Podbean and do a search for Pagan Parents uh, on the edge. Um, can't speak highly enough of those guys. I identify very, very, very strongly with uh, with uh, Foxfire. He's a, he's a really good cat. And uh, I have to admit, the, every episode that I listen to, I, I, you know, wow, I thought I was the only one who thought that way. But on we go. What else do you want to know about me? I, I am a trained hypnotist. Uh, I don't do it for a living. I discovered that uh, engineering was really the way to make the living that I needed to make so that my lovely wife can stay home and raise our son. Uh, I am a former Christian. Uh, actually, I, I, I was very, like like so many people who eventually seek a wildly alternate path, I was a very devout former Christian. Uh, I gave my first public Bible reading in front of 200 people when I was five. Um, little five-minute reading from whatever chapter that week we were dealing with, with an introduction and middle and an end, you know, the basic speech. And I was in church three times a week. Two hours on Tuesdays. Uh, then on Thursdays, we would meet in a family's home for an hour of Bible study, and two hours on Sunday. And yes, I was one of those bright, shiny faces that would knock on your door and want to speak with you. No, it wasn't a Mormon. I was raised a Jehovah's Witness. Don't have very much bad to say about that particular sect of Christianity. They're a nice bunch of folks. I believe they're kind of in a benign cult. Uh, I mean that in that they won't try to steal your money and your pride. But they are very, um, they have cultish qualities to that, that, but that's a whole different pod show. I don't want to knock Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, my mother is still a very devout one. And they were there for me as a teenager. Um, there were several periods of my life, starting at actually age 11, where I was uh, thrown out of my house and had nowhere to live. And uh, the witnesses always uh, made a bed for me. And I will always remember that. And uh, I will will speak no harm of them. I just don't think they have it right. Now, I'm not affiliated with any magical order. Um, There are several actual, strangely enough... Oh, okay, not several, but there are uh, at least Google searchable. You can run across seven or eight different organizations that are chaos mages organizing, as oxymoronic as that might sound. Uh, the the most famous is the IOT, uh, at least is in, in in my research. Uh, the IOT 
Um, the he, he with uh, I should have put this part in the show notes because I'm not going to pronounce it correctly. Uh, the Illuminates of Thanateros. I'll go into them in another show. They're 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 kind of an interesting group. I believe there's a group out there called Z Cluster, and uh, another one, another two or three. Uh, use your Google foo, and I'm sure you could pull it up. I am a solitaire chaos mage, which probably fits chaos magic better than any than any organized order um, can. But that's just my own personal opinion. I am a polyamorist, and I am married to another polyamorist. Does that we're not okay? Let me let me just clarify, because a lot of you won't know what a polyamorist is. We're not swingers. <laughs> a lot of people confuse the two. Um, I'm not going to go too deep into it. Let's call us at this moment polyamorous friendly, because neither one of us is dating anybody else. Google it if you want to find out more about it. You know, read about it. You'll enjoy it. Uh, I am but very kink-friendly. have been for years. I've been investigating the, the edges of all sorts of things uh, since my early 20s. Uh, I am half German and half Irish. Um, actually, I only recently discovered I'm half Irish like a year ago. And when I've said that to a few friends, some of the, my, my closest friends looked me in the eye and say, man, that explains a lot about you. And they're absolutely right. My joke about it is, I'm half German, I'm half Irish, I'm not trying to take over the world, I'm just going to get drunk and sing songs about it. I have an interesting story about why I could not avoid learning about magic. Coming from a very devout household Anything supernatural was quite forbidden, and unfortunately for my dear mother, uh, forbidding me something was a sure way to fire my imagination about it. And that is something that I have to keep in mind for my own son. So son, if you're listening, I'll forbid you very little. I just ask of you that understand that if I do forbid, it's only because I truly believe it would hurt you. Just a brief history. Early in my childhood, about uh, I was about six years old, I had my first out-of-body experience. It was intense. It was brutal. Um, it was not a pleasant experience. But I had series of encounters as I got older. Things that I remember that have come up in conversation with my family have triggered memories and the associations and sitting down and, and, and taking notes I've realized that I've been having paranormal experiences my whole life and I've always been searching for the edge trying to find out what's going on I remember reading the works of Charles Fort uh, Fort is F-O-R-T-E I, he recorded in the 1800s books of lists of the oddest strangest things that could be scientifically verified. Things like rains of, of pink frogs from the sky, or rains of giant black snowflakes the size of dinner tables. Just the oddest, strangest things that were scientifically verifiable 
were witnessed by many people, and he just recorded them. And I, and, and I remember going through this book, reading instance after instance after instance of these things which seemed to violate any physical law that I was learning about in school or in my own study, because I read everything I could get my hands on. And in many ways, I've been, I've been pursuing the, the supernatural my whole life. And I cast, though, my first unconscious spell. And, and it was an unconscious spell. When I did it, I did not know what I was doing. It, it couldn't do it justice in, in five minutes. But when, it, when I had cast it, and when it came to fruition, within days... There, there was a realization that something strong had happened. I had felt, I had felt the world, everything around me shift in a way that I had never, never felt before. Now that I've done much more research and, and much more personal practice, I know that feeling, and that is the feeling when the magic is working, when you are selecting your reality, and. When I realized that I had done something, I had changed the world around me in a very powerful and incredibly specific way. I knew I had to go back to the books and find out what was going on. And I started reading books on magic, um, which comes to my list of versions. I, I discovered immediately that I was very averse to monotheistic type magic. Um, I dedicated the first two decades plus three years of my life to a monotheistic God. And in the end, I had to walk away from him. He was not what I needed. And I could see that the path I was walking was actually a destructive one. I could see that unless I changed my reality greatly... I wouldn't make it. So, a lot of perfectly good occult books. Um, Modern Magic. Fine book. Great information. There are covens all over the world that use that book as their witchcraft 101 type book. I, I tried to get through that book multiple times and ended up hurling it across the room more than once because I could not bring myself to accept this. There, there, there's a lot of monotheism mixed in with what he's teaching you, and that's acceptable. He's teaching you a lot of Hebrew and Hebrew magic base, and, and that comes from a monotheistic tradition. The Jews were a monotheistic people. I couldn't stand it. But at the same time, hesitant to call myself a pagan. For a long time I called myself a godless pagan. But I do have to admit to myself uh, that I have had a conversation with deity once. Let's bring it back to a little bit more music. Um, I'm going to play another track off the Tree of Shadows Pause album. Uh, It's track 7 and it's called Captain's Daughter. Now... This is an unusual and, and fun sort of pirate tune that uh, was an r- extreme crowd pleaser at the Michigan Renaissance Festival when uh, Tree of Shadows used to appear there. 
um, they could get the central pub just rocking. It, it and and there were periods of time where two to three hundred people were just crammed around this stage of the Guinness Pub, listening to the song and singing along with every word. It's a lot of fun, uh, and I'm going to play that for you now. Clergyman out on the ground with an empty perfume bottle. 
Soaking wet, tired as hell, scared for me life, dressed as a priest and smelling like a laundry bag from a brothel, I stumbled back out onto the street. Just as I thought the coast was clear, something blocked out the sun. Boy, oh, was she mad. I'm still running from the captain's daughter, petrified with pride. Running from the captain's daughter, you should see her in the morning light. So, to make a long story short, her... I guarded through her legs before she could get her paws on me, right? Next up the street into an unsuspecting inn. After joining the minstrel in a rousing chorus of, Oh, God, get me out of here! I dodged up the stairs and through the first unlocked door I found. Slamming it and locking it behind me, I finally heaved my first sigh of relief. I'm not sure who was more surprised, myself or the lovely couple in the bed behind me. As the man was twice my size, he didn't have much trouble tossing me right out the window, but I had my first stroke of luck. Uh, sorry. On the one hand, I landed on something soft. On the other hand, it was manure. Sounded like my pursuer was either being detained or joining in. All I could think was that I had to keep... Right on, rotting from the captain's daughter, petrified with pride. Rotting from the captain's daughter, you can see her in the morning light. Why I smell like this, if you must know. I thank you to pour me another ale and mind your own damn business. No more captain's daughters for me, lad, no. From now on, it's the street of Red Lanterns. Running from the captain's daughter, petrified with pride. Running from the captain's daughter, you can see her in the morning light. Oh, what a sight. Shiver me timbers a whole new being, lads. Dude, didn't you like say this was like about chaos magic? Uh, I, I mean, your life story's like very interesting and all, but could you get on with the, with your point, you know, K, I get it, chaos magic, well, what is that all about, it's an interesting and provocative term, chaos, Uh, it brings to mind concepts of destruction in the popular culture of uh, directionlessness, anarchy, Doom. Uh, chaos magic, using the word chaos is, is the best of words and the worst of words in describing what we're talking about. Uh, there's a book that I, uh, again, I've forgotten the author's name, I, I will put it in the show notes, uh, called Postmodern Magic, which is an interesting way of referring to it as well. The concept is of, of chaos magic is, is not a worship of chaos. It is not a devotion to chaos itself, though there are some people who do do that, but that's not the basic concept of it. The basic concept of it is the tearing down of tradition barriers that aren't required. That was the original concept. And along the way, 
powerful truths were were uncovered about uh, the basics of how magic works throughout all traditions. It's it's something I started investigating years ago when I decided to start. I had no choice. It was time to start studying magic. It was what I had to do. And I went through studying everything from chemnosis to shamanism to new age to I'm I went to a my state's only certified hypnotherapy school and went through both the basic and advanced courses. I, I spent a lot of time learning about the different religions, about the different magical paradigms, and an awful lot about history. And what I started to notice were several common themes. Um, you'll hear it from plenty of people who um, often refer to themselves as eclectic pagans. People who borrow from other traditions and find what works for them and use it. And in some ways, there is a movement by some against the concept of eclectic paganism. And the thing about eclectic paganist practitioners, those who identify themselves as such, is they tend to be quite fierce in both their belief in what they believe in and their independence from what they often, but not always, would refer to as hide-bound tradition. Now, there are plenty of eclectic pagans who have high respect for tradition. And there are some traditionalists who don't think so highly of eclectic pagans because of of thinking of them as um, dilettantes uh, because they don't devote themselves um, wholeheartedly to a particular magical philosophy that this other person has invested their time and effort in. It's a lot like going to college. Whether or not anybody likes to believe it, someone who has achieved their Ph.D. most often acquires an attitude of a certain elitism. It is a difficult mental task. They receive a doctorate and acknowledgement by their peers that they have achieved this level of comprehension and knowledge, and they have the piece of paper to prove it. And it works the same way with some traditionalists. Not all by any means, please. But most traditionalists are quite, quite, uh, I find, accepting of of eclectics. Um, Some, not so much. My personal opinion is I'm not pagan enough to call myself pagan, so I prefer to call myself a chaos mage. Yet I find myself more and more comfortable in the world of pagans. And there are concepts of deity uh, god forms that I wish to work through one of the most interesting things about chaos magic one of its most famous sayings is uh, nothing is true everything is permitted there are variations on that the concept that nothing is true everything is permitted is that in my opinion all realities exist. Every time a decision is made in the universe, every time someone decides to take a right-hand turn instead of a left-hand turn, 
there are two parallel universes that diverge. In one universe, everything is the same except this person turned right. In the other universe, everything is the same except they turned left. Now, that, that seems to lend itself to insanity, that there couldn't be that many possible parallel dimensions, is the thought. But uh, some rival physicists, and we'll go into this in another episode, have uh, been recently lauded by the, the latest findings in physics by string theorists that the only way to make string theory work in the end with um, what is more known as more classical physics is to account for parallel universes. What does that mean? I mean, parallel universes, good grief. What am I talking about? Science fiction here? No. I'm talking about a concept that if there are other dimensions, that means there are other realities. We can't understand how many more options there are in the universe. What we can do, though, is steer our options. And people steer their options by the practice of magic. And when you break down magic to its most basic forms, its most basic ideas of uh, will and intent, to destroy the lust of result, to reduce the ego... There's a lot of things that we can get into in future podcasts, but nothing is true, everything is permitted, is a central theme through chaos magic that will come up over and over again. It a little frustrated me a touch when I first heard it. It reminded me of the, I think it's the Zen saying, what is the, the sound of one hand clapping, which I kind of found very annoying and as an adolescent the first time I heard that. But the older I got, the more I understood it. The more experienced I got, the more I understand it. And, and, and this is one of those expressions. Nothing is true. Everything is permitted. Is core. The power of belief in any magical system can be used as a tool for producing magical effects, any magical system. But the key word there is belief. If you will, if you take chaos magic to its extreme, let us, let's consider a true master of chaos. He very well might perform a ritual of mourning invocation using the pantheon of Egyptian deities. And after dinner, he might perform an evocation based on Greek deities. The following Tuesday, he might perform an entirely different magical work based on a monotheistic tradition or a golden dawn tradition. But the key is, at any point in time, in whatever ritual he is performing, from whatever tradition he is using to form this, he has ultimate belief in that system at that time. When he invokes the Egyptian god or goddess, he has true belief 
in the Pantheon, in its existence, in its reality, at the time that he works the magic. When he casts a monotheistic spell and says different names of God and demands obedience in an evocation from angels or other servants of the one true God, at that time, he believes wholeheartedly in that monotheistic one God tradition with his whole heart and his whole mind. Yes, it's possible to do that. Completely conflicting or majorly conflicting magical traditions can be used. The key is learning to pick up a belief when it is useful and put it down when it is not useful anymore. What does that all sum up to be? I mean, that's a lot of metaphysical talk. Look, everybody's got a magical toolbox. As you learn more and more, whether you're uh, an occult person, uh, whether you're a Wiccan, whether you're a mage, a druid, or a new age shaman, you have tools that you use in your practice that produces magical effects. Now, you all know, those of you who are, I'm not going to say tradition-bound, let's call you tradition-educated and thoroughly indoctrinated. Let's say that you are among the highest degrees available in your tradition. You know, if you seriously examine your magical life, that there are certain things within your tradition that you just take to instantly. They're, they, are, they are available to you, you have an intuitive understanding of them and a strong ability within that range. And you also know, if you examine yourself carefully, that there are certain things within your tradition that you are weaker in. And it's not because you're less of a, a mage, a witch, or whatever you call yourself. It's because everybody has certain things that work well for them. And that could be an entirely other show. Uh, having spent a lot of time uh, studying and, and working with hypnosis, I've got some very good theories as to why some things work better for some people and some work better for others. But theories aside, that's not the point. The point is we're looking for results. So find what works for you. I'm not talking about picking up the, you know, the nicest, newest, shiniest idea and say, ooh, that looks so cool. That looks so neat. I bet if I learn that magic tradition, I will get like major babes. No. Read, study, compare, and contrast the different magical systems and take from them what you need. The ultimate goal in chaos magic is to completely disregard all tradition, to create your own ritual, if ritual is the path you choose to take, to create your own sigil system. Peter Carroll has a, uh, an excellent idea of what he calls the alphabet of desire, that 
is a tool that you create that is unique to you, and you use it in the construction of a, a lot of different types of magical works. The key is, just because you were handed a magical toolbox when you studied a tradition by yourself or with others, doesn't mean that there aren't some of those tools in that box that you aren't going to take out and replace with other tools that are more comfortable to use. I have some hand tools that I use in some of uh, the work that I do, and some of them just frankly cramped the hell out of my hand. They came with the toolbox. They're beautiful. I paid money for them because I got the whole thing as a kid. But over time, I have pulled some screwdrivers out. I've certainly pulled the hammer out because I don't need the thing. Ever. Um, I've changed all kinds of different things. And I've replaced them with tools that work for me. And that's basically how Chaos Magic feels about tradition. Find what works for you. Does your invocations work better using a particular pantheon? Then by all means, use that pantheon. But do you find yourself more comfortable when performing a divination to rely upon the, 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 the warm umbrella of a one god or one deity monotheistic tradition? If that's what makes you feel comfortable and allows you to divine, you will divine better. And who cares as to, hey, that person just cast something that was monotheistic, but not two hours ago, they were invoking other gods. That's logically irresponsible. No, that's not logically irresponsible. It's skillful. There's a lot more to chaos magic. These are just the beginnings of what I'm going to try to present across the next series of podcasts. Uh, I'm hoping you'll tune in for the next one. Uh, I'm working on getting out as soon as possible. Uh, I'm estimating one every two to three weeks. Uh, like I said, right now I'm working six days a week. Um, five twelves and an eight. So I grab these periods of times when I can. And I'm going to enjoy very much if you just toss me a comment. Again, my email address is k-i-a-d-r-a-g-o-n at gmail.com. That's kayadragon at gmail.com. A couple of things to finish it all off couple of my favorite books, uh, Liebernal and Psychonaut, which is uh, a combination volume by Peter J. Carroll, is an excellent, excellent book. Um, it's one of my personal favorites. I think I have three or four copies. I know I've given away three or four copies, and the one I'm holding in my hand right now is <laughs> thoroughly beat. I also have holding here uh, Liber Chaos uh, Chaos spelled K-A-O-S by Peter J. Carroll so you can tell I'm quite a fan he is an excellent way of seeing through to the heart of any tradition to strip it bare to the principles of why it works not what adjectives have been attached to it and what shiny 
cute, fuzzy things might be wrapped around it. He strips it down to why is it working, not what color it's painted. I am presently working my way uh, with a lot of uh, smiles on my face to Space Time Magic by Taylor Elwood. Uh, first book I've read by Mr. Elwood. And Taylor, i got to tell you, your your concepts in, in, in working with retroactive magic. Really thoroughly enjoyed your discussion of the concept of retroactive magic. And in my opinion, one of the most dangerous forms of magic um, can be extremely successful. And we'll talk about that another day. Two books I just got in the mail and I'm looking forward to. I said that I had really thoroughly enjoyed the fact that I discovered I had some Irish roots, and it made so much sense, that I excitedly recently sent away for a book called Celtic Flame, uh, and it's an insider's guide to the Irish pagan tradition. It's written by, <laughs> I will never be able to pronounce this, it looks Gaelic, but it's short, so I'll spell it. The first name is uh, A-E-D-H, and the second name is R-U-A. I won't try to pronounce that till I find out finally how it's done. Um, it looks quite interesting. This gentleman was one of the founders of the Celtic uh, Reconstruction Movement and has been involved since 1985. Also, I have received a book by Kveldolf Gunderson. Uh, Kveldolf, <laughs> K-V-E-L-D-U-L-F. Gunderson, G-U-N-D-A-R-S-S-O-N. It's uh, called Elves, Whites, and Trolls, Studies Toward the Practice of Germanic Heathenry, Volume 1, which speaks to the other half of my uh, genetic tradition, which I'm not necessarily saying that having uh, any particular genetics leans you toward a particular tradition, but having been raised, uh, steeped in a lot of principles from the old country from my father, um, I'm finding that the Celtic way does appeal to me. Half of my blood is from, from Ireland, and half of my blood is from Germany. Um, those were both lands of the Celts at one point. Uh, Celts held most of Europe at one point, and uh, even the Romans couldn't throw them off Ireland. So... I'm having fun diving into that and learning as much as possible. What I am going to ask, if uh, you wouldn't mind, is uh, send me an email. Tell me you love me, you hate me, you're indifferent, uh, I should do this, I should do that. And we'll see what happens as chaos moves me. Uh, I'm really looking forward to some conversations, interactions with other people about chaos magic. If you just feel like it, I'd, I'm really kind of curious. I'm, I'm taking a poll of pagan pet peeves. Do you have some peeves that just, just pet peeves that drives you insane about fellow pagans? Anything from pagan standard time to whatever else just gets up your craw. I'm curious. Please send me an email. Today I went ahead and purchased the uh, domain uh, PaganChaosMagic.com Got the rights to it. Have not established hosting. Like I said, this is the first podcast. And I'd like to get a couple of these in the can before I go ahead and put them up on the web. 
Uh, so, by the time you hear this, uh, PaganChaosMagic.com should be up, uh, and I'm planning on keeping a list of show notes there. Well, to finish the first podcast off, I'm going to play you one of my favorite new pagan bands called Omnia. I think I first heard their music on Druidcast, which is another fantastic pagan podcast dealing with um, the Druid movement, which even if you're not interested in Druidry or curious and uh, have an inclination to become a Druid yourself, I really recommend you check out that podcast anyway. It's one of the most well-produced and uh, highest quality pagan podcast going right now. I've also heard them on my other favorite pagan podcast, The Wigglyan Way. Uh, Sparrow and Mojo really pick some fantastic music out to play, and besides the fact that the, the show itself is just fantastic, because they, they've got it down, and there's a chemistry between those two that's absolutely fantastic. I'm going to play a song off of Omnia's album. The album is Pagan Folk at the Fairy Ball, and the song is called Raven. Uh, This um, entire album is available at Omnia's website um, as a free download. All that they ask is that you join their uh, uh, mailing list. Uh, I can personally tell you that I've joined their mailing list and I haven't gotten flooded with spam or anything like that. And I'm looking forward to being able to keep up with uh, the uh, the band. Unfortunately, they are European-based, and I'm here in the U.S., so likelihood I'm going to get to see them soon is, is low. But their music is fantastic. And I'm going to play for you the song called Raven for a couple reasons. One is, I always had a deep connection to the poem by Edgar Allan Poe, The Raven, since I was a child. Um, it was very... It was just very strong, even from really an age before I should have understood some of the deeper layers of the poem. There was something about there was something about the poem that reminded me of just how sad life could get. And the other favorite reason is um, the raven lands in the poem on the bust of Eris, the goddess of chaos, and she's a favorite topic of mine. I'm definitely going to have to do a a podcast on Eris. I believe she is the most thoroughly misunderstood goddess since the time of the Greeks. But that's another podcast for another day. I'm going to play Omnia, the Raven. Uh, you can get this at omnia-neocelt.com. That's O-M-N-I-A-N-E-O-C-E-L-T.com. And uh, hope to hear, or hope that you hear me next time. The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered, weak and weary, over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore, while I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, As if someone gently rapping, tapping at my chamber door. To some visitor, I muttered, tapping at my chamber door. Merely this and nothing more. 
Ah, distinctly I remember it was in a bleak December, and each separate dying ember wrought its ghost upon the floor. Eagerly I wished the morrow, vainly I had sought to borrow from my books surcease of sorrow, sorrow for the lost Lenore, for the rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore, nameless here forevermore. The silken, sad, uncertain rustling of each purple curtain thrilled me, filled me with fantastic terrors never felt before. Presently, to still the beating of my heart, I stood repeating, "'Tis some visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door. Some late visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door. Merely this, and nothing more."
quaff the rain nevermore. Now the raven sitting lonely on that placid bust spoke only that one word as if his soul in that one word he did outpour nothing further than he uttered not a feather than he fluttered till I scarcely more than muttered other friends have gone before on the morrow he will leave me as my hopes have flown before quoth the raven Nevermore. Then methought the air grew denser, perfumed by an unseen censer, swung by seraphim whose footfalls tinkled on the tufted floor. Once more on the velvet sinking, I betook myself to Lincoln, fancy on to fancy thinking what this ominous bird of yore. What this grim, ungainly, ghastly, gaunt, and ominous bird of yore meant in croaking nevermore. Floating on the floor. 